I'm Heidi. And I'm Nicole. I'm Nicole's mom. And now I'm also a mom. We created this podcast to talk about all the joyful, beautiful, and sometimes awful parts of motherhood. We aren't experts, but we do have experience. Our goal is to talk about motherhood IRL. That means in real life, mom. Yeah, thanks, Nicole. And thanks for joining us in our motherful adventures. Okay, welcome back to our motherful podcast. Um, today we are interviewing my mother-in-law, which is kind of exciting. Have my mom Ooh. and my mother-in-law in the same episode. <laughs> this is really funny. <laughs> which, well, the funny part is that you guys actually knew each other before me and Tanner knew each other. Yes, yes we did. Yeah, right, we did. Yeah. So they were friends. They they get all the credit for my family <laughs> for setting us up. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, I'll true. take it. I'll take credit for that. Yeah. My yep. story about how you guys met is a little different than Heidi's because I listened to your thing on Heidi's. Mine's a little bit different. Oh, okay. I want to hear your version then really quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. What happened on my end was I saw Nicole sitting at the piano. She was playing for choir and I went over to her and I'm like, Nicole, I, I didn't I actually I didn't even know if I knew your name. I might have known your name. Yeah. Anyway, I'm like, you, you need to date my son. <laughs> and you looked at me and you're like, I'm going on a mission. <laughs> yeah, that was the, our first interaction ever. And you're like, I'm going on a mission. And I'm like, oh, that's okay. Because my son is on a mission right now. And you'll get back at the same time. <laughs> but fast forward two years and we were married. So I know. Apparently you knew what you were talking about. I don't know if I knew that story either. <laughs> That's my first interaction with Nicole was That's telling you you need to marry my son. I know. That's really funny. Awesome. Let's learn a little bit about Michelle. Okay. okay. I will read um, your bio really quick. So Michelle is a mom to five boys, but wanted all girls or at least one girl and didn't get any. She loves Diet Coke and TJ Maxx. She expresses her love through cooking, so she worked really hard to become good in the kitchen, which took quite a bit of help from Rachel Ray. Michelle <laughs> loves hosting and entertaining, and she is a natural party planner. She loves to sing in the car, but she doesn't know the words to any of the songs. She is energetic and connective, and she believes everyone is her friend, including <laughs> all cashiers, servers, people online at the grocery store, and people in the shopping aisles. Oh, so, so true. <laughs> Is a little bit about Michelle. That's why. That's why we wanted to chat with you, Michelle. I know it's a problem. I think that's a good problem to have. Definitely not the worst problem. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay. So our lightning round questions. We'll just get started. Um, are you a cat person or a dog person, Mom? You want to go first? Yeah, I am totally a dog person, although I do have a cat. I just am really, he's like 12 or 13 years old, and I'm hoping that he dies any day, but it's been, I've been hoping for a long time. So I'm definitely <laughs> a dog person. I agree with you. I'm a dog person because I like that um, you actually know that they like you. Cats, like, yes. Sometimes you're like, oh, maybe you like me right now, but most of the time they act like they hate you. Um, but dogs actually are friendly and like, actually appreciate you as a person. So I like dogs. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I, I would say, um, I know this sounds crazy. I'm not really a pet lover. I love my own dog, but not everybody else's dogs. I have to yeah. learn to love everybody else's dogs. I yeah. agree but, with that though. Yeah. And it took me many years to even get a dog. Many kids begging me 
And we also have a cat. Originally, we had cats because they were feral cats that we found in our last house that were just in our neighborhood that would eat all the mice. And so we kept them around. And then eventually, we ended up with a cat in our house. Mm -hmm. And right now, though, we love our cat because she has two brand new babies. Oh, so that's so fun. So I don't know that I'm really a pet lover lover, but I've, I just love my own pet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I can She's agree awesome. with that, though. I feel like a lot of people are that way. It's like kids. Yeah. You like your own kids, not so much other people's kids. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Your go-to karaoke song. Okay. I'm going to have to say that um, if I sang karaoke, which I wish I did more because it's actually pretty fun. Yeah. But I don't do it that much. But if I did, it would probably be anything from the movie Grease because that was like the first musical that I fell in love with as a kid. And so Summer Lovin', Grease Lightning. Yep. Any of those. Those are all good. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to say The Greatest Showman. Mostly because... Because you, you karaoke yeah. at your wedding. Yes. I am yes. not a dancer, and I felt very uncomfortable having a dance floor in a wedding dress in heels. So we opted for karaoke instead. And <laughs> so we had a karaoke night, and me and Tanner, instead of doing a first dance, we we did a first song, and we sang Greatest Showman together. So yeah. that kind of has a special place in my heart. So, <laughs> And I would say mine is the Bohemian Rhapsody... The mother. Except we don't really. I we like it, and we sing it at my sister's, and I sing it at every wedding. And yet, and that started at our wedding, by the way. Oh, it did actually. You're right. Yep. And yet, after the first three minutes, my sisters and I are all done, like singing it. But we have to keep going because <laughs> it's, it's like so a long. six or seven <laughs> minute song. Yeah, it's a long song. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, my goodness, yeah. are you done yet? And we're like done. Like our attention spans are like done. And yet we just keep going. We don't know why we don't stop it. Well, but you have to get to the Mamma just... Mia part. You have to get to I the know. Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. What is your favorite holiday tradition? I'm going to say watching Christmas movies. I really love Christmas movies. So yeah, you like your Christmas movies. I like watching them. I've already watched a bunch. I'm not talking the Hallmark movies. I'm talking like Elf and It's a Wonderful Life and White Christmas. Okay. The classics. I really like my grandma is Italian. Is it an Italian thing? The seafood dinner? Yeah. It's the Feast of the Fishes. I just heard that on the radio the other day. Yeah. Okay. So she has always done a seafood dinner on Christmas Eve and it's the best. She gets like all the super expensive crab and the shrimp and <laughs> like every other seafood dish that you can imagine. And we just eat for like the entire day and then open presents and it's oh, great. awesome. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of them, <laughs> but I, I do like getting up Christmas morning and having breakfast. The kids will tell you we always do cinnamon rolls or coffee cake, mm-hmm. and then we read a Christmas book, and then we do presents and stuff. Fun. And I don't, yeah. I don't know why. I'd like it. It was like a way to kind of slow down the chaos yes. of the presents. Mm-hmm. So you eat, yeah. you eat breakfast first, and then do presents. Yeah, we kind of eat while we while we read a uh, Christmas book of yeah. some sort. Mm-hmm. We always read a book at Christmas morning. That's smart because I do feel like it's chaos if you just go straight to presents. Yeah. It just kind of slows oh, it, it down. I'll make hot chocolate and, yeah, you know, otherwise like present opening is like 30 mm-hmm. minutes and you're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and anyway, that's cool. probably one of mine. Cool. Michelle, why don't you go ahead and um, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us about your family, your five boys, how you became a mom. Well, first, I'm one of those unique people that I actually met my husband when I was 11 years old. Um, we were in church. I went to his ward because my aunt and uncle were in his ward and they were having, uh, I believe, a baby blessing. And we ended up going to classes and he was in the class with me and he sat behind me the whole time. That's crazy that you um, remember that from 11 I know. years yeah, old. You remember that? Yeah. I don't remember as much as Brad does, but he, he tells me he remembers that my voice was lower than his. What? And I'm like, what a totally <laughs> random thing to remember. Well, an 11-year-old boy is probably pretty self-conscious of something like that. Yes, exactly. Where obviously I, you know, I have no recollection of his voice, but whatever. And then um, we actually ended up dating when I was 16 and he was 17. Um, we broke up before his mission because I actually didn't want to wait for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we actually broke up quite a while before his mission because I did not want to sit around and do nothing. And he was not very happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I started writing him halfway into his mission and he started writing me back. This is back in the day before internet, before all that, yeah. Stuff, yeah. you know, and we've been married now 28 years. Woo, that's crazy. We have five boys. Nicole is married, yeah, to the oldest. And then one, I finally got my daughter in the form of a grandbaby. <laughs> but now I actually do. I do. Nicole was my first official daughter because I didn't yeah. have any girls until Nicole came around, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. I had Tanner about a year after I got married. I got pregnant. So I was... 22, I think when I had him. And then right after him, I ended up having Garrison. So we mm -hmm. had, and Garrison was my oops baby. He was not planned. We always tell him he was welcomed and loved, but he, he was 15 months later. We did not plan to have him. Um, and then because it was so hard and so overwhelming to have two just littles, yeah, I ended up taking a break and I, I didn't have another child until Garrison was six years old. I had, I had Cole at that point. And then another five years after that, I had Jack. And then five years later, I had Andrew. And, you know, that's, that brings a whole nother challenge because I've got currently a 26 year old and an 11 year old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that brings the challenge of, I've been doing, you know, Easter egg hunts and trick or treating and all of that stuff now for 26 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I'm going to be, I'm going to have a kid in my house forever. Yep. Like it's. Yeah. Realizing I now have a grandbaby and an eleven-year-old, I'm like, I'm going to be doing this forever. <laughs> like, I'm going to have kids in my house forever. Yep. So after you had Garrison, then you said there was a big break, and that's when you decided to go to school. Yeah, I, I've heard Nicole talk about this too. I was kind of bored. Like it wasn't fulfilling enough for me. It was hard for me to stay home all day with just the two kids. Yeah. Like I needed more. And I, I got a degree at Rick's college because it was two year degree in health science. And I always wanted to be a nurse, but I never thought that I was smart enough to do it. And it took my husband convincing me that I could. And that's the reason why I actually went back to school. And 
it was it was an, a great thing for me, an amazing thing for me. It gave me confidence and it made me feel like I am somebody outside of just being a mother mm-hmm. because I needed that. I needed to know that I, I'm smart, I guess, because your kids all day long, I mean, especially teenagers tell you you're not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I needed something else. And so I did go back to school and got my nursing degree. And Brad and I, Brad actually has three degrees. He has a bachelor's, a master's, and then a doctorate. And so we had a lot of years of Brad and I both doing school together and, and tag teaming. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of, um, like I go to work and then he goes to work and or I go to school and then he has the kids and just back and forth. And we, we tried very hard not to use babysitters mm-hmm. one, because we didn't have the money and yeah. two, because we feel like we should have raised you guys and not babysitters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not that that's a bad thing. I'm not, that's just what we decided. Um, Nicole was asking me about the, um, um, my mom and being supportive. Mm-hmm. That was actually really hard because my mom grew up in a generation where you you raise kids. That's what you did. Yeah. So her understanding of no, you get married and you have children and you have babies and that's what we do. We're homemakers. You know, her generation was very much like that, which is funny because my mom did end up going back to work. She didn't have a degree, but she did end up going back to work when I was when I was a child. Yeah. But yeah, that was hard because I didn't have that support from my parents that I should have had, or I thought I should have had, but we did it anyway, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then of course, when I was done, my mom was very, very proud. And, you know, I always knew you could do it and all of this stuff that, that mothers do. And she mm-hmm. just had but- to get used to the idea that you were going to do it. And it wasn't the way that she had done it. And so once she got used to the idea, then she was really supportive, I'm sure. Yes, that is exactly it. Yeah. That is exactly it. Very we supportive. Do, we once. do that as mothers. No, we that's do. Not the way. That's not the way <laughs> yeah. I did it. <laughs> and, and there is a generational thing too. Right. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're different now. A lot of women work. I work. And it, it keeps my foot in the door. It keeps me using my brain. It keeps me... You know, it, it, it helps me in a lot of aspects to, to have that degree. Yeah. Nicole and I were talking mm-hmm. about this the other day and I was like, there was only um, five years of my child raising years that I didn't work. And it was from the time that my youngest was born till he was in kindergarten. And then I went back to work and she's like, you did? <laughs> it's like, yeah. 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 That was the most interesting part of that conversation. It was just interesting that I did not remember you working that much. Right. Like, I probably could have named, like, two or three jobs that you had, and you sat there and, like, named off this whole list of jobs that you had. And I was like, oh, that's (laughs) interesting. I didn't know you worked that much. So it didn't – I mean, I guess for moms who feel guilty leaving their kids or whatever, like, oh, I should be spending time with my kids, well, maybe your kids won't even realize that you're gone, you know? Yeah. I guess it makes me feel better that you didn't realize that I was gone because yeah, it was part-time enough that I, I did work while you guys were in school. And so, um, and it was actually really a good thing for me to, yeah, yeah. to get out of the house and mm-hmm. yeah. do something else. That is very true. Okay, Michelle, I think we should talk about what it's like to be a missionary mom. Oh, because you and 
They both have missionaries out right now. And we both had missionaries when you still could only talk to them twice a year. Yeah. <laughs> and so, well, it's gotten better, but the very first in the field missionary home call uh, about five weeks ago was traumatic. Oh, really? <laughs> So, yeah, he was really struggling. And um, this is, I think we've talked about this before, but um, there were there were tears. And I was not expecting that. I mean, I was expecting him to say it was hard and tell me how hard it was, but I was not expecting him to actually be mentally, uh, I mean, emotionally broken down. And that's kind of what it was. And then we talked about it and we talked about some things that he could do to get past it. And um, then Mark and I looked through our mission journals and told him, like we sent him clips of how um, rough it was for us in those first few weeks. We just kind of wrote it down what we had written in our journals. And then, um, and then he actually wrote back and said, yeah, that was helpful. And then every week since then, it's gotten quite a bit better. But at the beginning, I was like, um, but listen here, dude, like if you feel like calling home every week is just making your homesickness or whatever you're feeling worse, then then we don't have to do right. it. And so we haven't gotten to that point yet, but I have a nephew who's been out on the mission for about a year. And he told his parents after his one year mark, he's probably not going to call on Mondays. Really? <laughs> That's super interesting. And they were like, oh, Okay. So I don't know if that'll happen, but that's what he told them. So Michelle, I feel like I've talked about this with you that when me and Tanner were on missions, like you knew it was hard, but you didn't get like the firsthand experience because we didn't call yeah. home. Like that was no what, exactly. six, seven years ago. And so all we had was our weekly email and we only talked to you twice our whole missions. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe three times like mother's day and Christmas. And so you didn't, know like exactly on a weekly basis all the struggles that we were having and so like actually hearing it on a weekly basis is a lot harder as a mom but I mean like we would I would email Morgan with some of her challenges um and that was really hard because all day Monday we were just messaging back and forth back and forth and it would have been a lot easier had I been able to talk to her because it was some health problems that she was having Mm -hmm. and so finally I called the mission president. And I was like, can I please call her? I need to talk to her. I don't know what's going on. I need to know, you know, what she's thinking about this. And so he did allow us to talk just once or twice, but it always had to be through him. Uh, And he was really, he was really great about it. But, um, but what do you think, Michelle? I don't know. Well, uh, the, the one experience that really stands out, a few of the phone calls in a row had been really hard of Cole and he was really struggling. I I think he's just got some depression issues that he was able to take care of through his dance. And he had that outlet when he lived here, when he lived at home Mm -hmm. because he was able to dance to just dance. And that was kind of what helped Mm -hmm. him survive. And uh, he had been, he was struggling. It was really hard. He had just gotten to South Africa He had been in Washington for six months. We had some issues with his visa. So he was there six months. And 
he was having a hard time. And I remember asking um, Tanner and Garrison, the two oldest, telling them, you know, Cole's struggling. He's having a hard time. He's things are hard for him. And and just kind of as an um, as a mother reaching out to them because you know can you guys talk to Cole mm-hmm. and their reaction was oh yeah is he crying himself to sleep every night i mean this the the stuff that they said i just had no idea yeah and so it it kind of hit me the realization of of kind of knowing this day to day that went on with Cole Versus my other two boys, I didn't know the day to day that was going on with them. Right, and so in one sense, it was it was a lot easier on me personally to not have that phone call every week because I didn't know I didn't know what was going on with them. So for as far as I knew, they were fine because what they send out in their emails is is great. They're going to tell you the positive things, and then when you're when you're emailing back and forth. I mean, how much can you really say? How are you, mom? It was a good week. I mean, you know what I mean? You're not like you say with Morgan, you're not going to, there's a lot of stuff you just aren't going to say in an email. You're not going to type it out that you would say if you had a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. And so that was just the realization of how hard it actually was for my boys that I just didn't I just didn't know. And then hearing Cole go through what he's been going through. Um, ironically, like the last, I think, two or three weeks, I have not talked to him. Oh. Um, maybe he's called somebody else. Um, he just says, how was your week, mom? Bye. And uh, over Facebook Messenger. Yeah. But he hasn't FaceTimed me the last couple of weeks. So I don't know if that's whatever he needs right. and I'm good with whatever he needs. Yeah. But and that's mm-hmm. kind of how I feel too. Um, I do want him to be focused on his mission. I don't want him worrying about what's going on at home and how we're doing. And this mm-hmm. is kind of a time for them to, to self-reflect, to kind yeah. of gain that testimony with, with heavenly father, with understanding, also understanding Christ and gaining that whole relationship, yeah. which you both serve missions. I did not. Um, so just to me, I'm like, I, it is good because I do want him to love his mission and to, you know, learn what he needs to learn. Well, having served a mission, I think there does come a point in your mission when you're like finally letting go of your family or, or whatever it is that you're missing, I guess Mm -hmm. your old life, America, um, food or whatever you finally just let go and you just, I don't want to say give up, but more like give in and you just accept that this is where you are. And you also at the same time learn to love. And and that really is the changing point where you just want to love what you're doing and love the people and love where you are. And I think it happens for missionaries at different stages, but yeah, I I would not be surprised if after a while Caleb was like, yeah, I'll, I'll call once a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just yeah. because he doesn't he doesn't need it, and I just wanted him to know that I don't need it because I I am happy with just the emails. Yeah, but if he wants to call and, yeah. and have a video chat, we can do that too. Yeah, yeah. 
And, and Cole did say something to his dad along the lines of what you just said, that I, I am just letting God take control. Like I'm just handing all of this over to God. And I think that's exactly what you just said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that is the turning point. Um, maybe Cole just had his turning point where right. he's like, okay, God, whatever you want, yeah. I'm not going to fight it. Focus on my home yeah. life, what I'm missing, you know, all of that stuff that you just said. Well, and he's been out a year. Oh, he really? has been out a year. So I wonder if, I wonder if a year is kind of that, you know, that turning point that mark. it takes yeah. that full year to really, you know, understand what the mission is about. The other thing that I think is different that I, I kind of appreciate. So <laughs> when I went on a mission, it was like, leave everything behind. Don't think about anything at home. Don't reminisce fondly on anything that you used to do. Like you were supposed to just put that memory in a drawer Mm -hmm. and shut the drawer and don't open it for months. Like that's what kind of the idea of it. And we were chatting with Caleb a couple of weeks ago and Mark was giving him the rundown on all the NFL football teams and all the current scores and everything. Oh my goodness. And, and I was like, okay, wait, we need to stop talking about football so that we can talk about Christmas. Cause I had to get Caleb's Christmas ideas so we could send him a package. And, and then afterwards to my husband, I was like, well, I didn't mean that we couldn't talk about football at all anymore. I just knew I had to get this other part of the conversation taken care of. Mm-hmm. But I really feel like it's okay. If, if talking about football is going to keep Caleb in the mission field, then yeah. let's <laughs> talk about football. Yeah. Like if that's what it takes to help him feel connected and feel like he's, you know, here or whatever, then we're going to talk about football. And um, I kind of appreciate that about our current missionary situations because um, there's a lot of challenges with kids these days. And I just don't think I ever went through those challenges. And so, yeah, it's different now. Yeah. So to be able to just put my memories in a drawer and shut it, that worked for me, but I don't think that's going to work for kids these days. And so if we have to talk about stuff that's going on at home, that makes them feel connected, then we're going to do it. Yeah. The social media makes a huge difference. I was going to say that, that everybody's used to being so connected. And so, you know, you could be in your room and not leave your house for weeks at a time and still be connected to the whole world. And so leaving that and going on a mission and then all of a sudden being isolated and like not having that connection of social media is like way more drastic of a change than whatever you experienced on your mission, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. That is a good point. Well, do either of you have any advice for moms of missionaries? Anything that you've learned from being a mom with missionaries out? I mean, both of you have had three missionaries. So any specific experiences or realizations you've had? We've had some really amazing, well, there were two specific events that happened to us. um, Wow. While we had missionaries out. One of them was life-saving, literally. You were on your mission, and we were driving home from Tahoe on I-80. And um, in the middle of Nevada, there's just nothing. And we had three of our kids and two cousins that were both from different families. 
and dad fell asleep and drove off the road. And most of I-80 in Nevada, there's a little bit of a shoulder and then it goes down into a ditch. And I have tried to look for, I've driven that road many times since that happened. And I have tried to look for the spot where we drove off the road and I can't find it because we went off the road into the gravel going probably 80 miles an hour. And then he corrected. We went around a post and we went right back onto the highway and there was no ditch there. And we didn't even fishtail or anything. And I was like, those were angels guiding us or something because we just made it back on the road. And all the kids in the back were like, what was that? What just happened? (laughs) And I thought if we had rolled that car, there would have been three families that would have been affected by that. Not just ours, but our, my two siblings and their kids. And I immediately thought that was, that was because we have the missionary out I didn't have any other explanation for why that would have happened. Wow. And um, there was another event that happened when Morgan was on her mission that Mark and I were traveling and, and we had lost something and it was found. And I mean, this would have stopped our trip. It was his wallet and passport. It would have stopped us and um, we wouldn't have been able to continue going. And we found it. I mean, those are two specific things, but there are many everyday, you know, day-to-day things that happen when you have a missionary out that maybe aren't quite as outstanding as just those two events that we had. But um, I know that the families of the missionaries are blessed. And, And I know that the missionaries are blessed too, because I served a mission. And I say almost daily, like that was the best thing that I could have done for myself at that time, which is so shocking that, I mean, it sounds kind of selfish Mm -hmm. because I'm supposed to be serving others and I did serve others, but at the same time, it changed my life immensely. Yeah. You learn a lot about yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. So that's why I've encouraged my kids to go on missions and I really wanted them all to, and one of them chose not to, and I'm accepting that. And I'm sure that there's other ways that he's going to learn those things that a person learns while a missionary. But um, I think the mission is just one of the fastest, quickest, most selfless ways to learn those things about life. I definitely agree. Yeah, I agree too. You definitely see a change in, in your children when they get back. You know, the things that they've learned. Brad has said before, when we were having this discussion about, you know, not understanding how hard it was, he says, there's, there's a reason why people will always talk about their missions and experiences. He says, you'll hear, you know, men in their sixties still reference their missions. And they were 40 years ago. And he goes, it's because things happen on your mission that you just, yeah you never go through again that you can't Mm -hmm. duplicate that are just so memorable and Mm life-changing, you know? So we of course encourage our kids also to go, but, but like you say, it is, it is their choice. Yeah. My thing is I, I don't want it ever to be my fault that they went or didn't go. 
And the same thing about who my kids marry. I, I don't want it to be my fault who they marry or don't marry. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is a big decision that they need to make on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, Garrison was had some challenges with getting him out on a mission, and he got delayed for reasons that we did not think he should have been delayed for. And it was really hard. And he came to me one day. We were just sitting at McDonald's. Nothing memorable, but I mean, to me, it wasn't memorable at all. But to him, it was. It was life changing for him because he had a conversation and he says, Mom, I, I, I don't think I want to go on a mission. And my reaction to him was, well, what is it that you want to do? Let's get you in school. Let's get you... And he says that is what changed him to make him want to go on a mission because my reaction was not judgmental. It wasn't Mm -hmm. disappointed. It wasn't any of that. It was, okay, well, let's get you to do something else then. What do you want to do? And that's why to me, it wasn't really this memorable experience. It was just having a conversation with my child And then down the road, he shared this experience at his farewell. And to him, it was a life-changing experience, Mm -hmm. you know? And to me, it meant, I don't mean nothing. It was just a conversation with my child. But I think uh, the the idea that I wasn't surprised, I wasn't shocked, I wasn't judging him, like I said. And anyway. You didn't react. I didn't react. react. Yeah. That's a mom... That's a mom win, Michelle. That Good was a you. mom win, and I didn't we even know those. it was a mom win. Yeah. I know. We need yeah. those. So I have actually shared that with many people that have asked about what do you do with, with kids and teenagers. And, and you know, because we've had kids come to us with, with their issues and problems. And, and my reaction is always don't overreact, just love them and help them through it because they need to understand that they're accepted no matter what. And if they can't be accepted, no matter what, from their parents, who is going to accept them, you know, and, and, and just loving them and helping them through it, you know, otherwise your kids won't come to you. They need to know that, that you're a safe person. And the reality is we're all on a path trying to get to wherever we're trying to get and, and trying to be better people. And everyone's path is different. Everyone's path is so different. That's what I'm starting to understand and realize about my kids is that, um, yeah, I had these expectations for them and I wanted them to get to this particular place and the way to get there is not the way that I got there. Yeah. And I just have to remember that. And not that... your timing. It's not when you want them to get there. Mm-hmm. It's it's their that's, timing as well. Yeah. It's, you know, and that's how all of us yep. kind of are. I mean, you look at, we're all on this journey. Yeah. We're all on a journey back to wherever we're going. And we're going to learn things in our own time, in our own way. I think that kind of a realization is probably the thing that has changed me as a mother of adult children the most is just understanding that it's not going to be the way I did it and it's okay. Right. And And their way's not wrong. It's just different than the way you did it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Should we go on to our final question? What advice would you give your former self about becoming a mother? Oh, I would probably say um, in, enjoying those moments. I I didn't sit with my kids long enough. I didn't just sit and enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting on the couch and holding them as infants, sitting on the ground and enjoying those moments of reading a book or those moments of playing with toys with them. It's not that I didn't do them, but I didn't enjoy them. So living in that, that it's okay to, to sit with them. You know, I, I told mm-hmm. Nicole a little while ago, I, it, I felt guilty holding my babies and it wasn't a guilt that anyone put on me. It was my own guilt. Well, if I'm holding the baby, I should be vacuuming. So then I would hold the baby and vacuum, you know, right. and there's, there's no reason to not just hold the baby. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, I even anyway, caught so, myself doing that yeah. last night. We were setting up Christmas decorations and she was kind of getting fussy. And so I, you know, put on a show on the TV and I kept trying to put her on the couch and she didn't want to sit on the couch and watch her show. And so finally I sat on the couch and put her on my lap. And we watched the show together and like, yeah, I kept, I kept trying to go do other things. I kept being like, yep. okay, well I need to go up and do this. I need to go do this. And I'd be like, wait, it's okay. I can just sit here for a minute. That like, is exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. I can just sit on the couch and hold my baby and watch this kid's show and the Christmas decorations yep. are going to get put up. It's fine. I don't need yeah. to get up yep. right this second and do everything. That's a supernatural uh, common feeling too, Nicole. Yeah. So don't feel bad that you yeah. felt like that, but we all go through that. We're like, the baby wants to be held, but I've got to do laundry and I've got to clean the kitchen. And I've mm-hmm. got to vacuum. I mean, it's okay to have those thoughts and feelings, but then you just recognize them. And yeah, the laundry. My mom had this thing. Um, yeah. She had this saying on her wall for many years, so many years that I think I remember it. It (laughs) says, cleaning and scrubbing can wait till tomorrow for babies grow up. We've learned to our sorrow. So quiet down cobwebs, dust go to sleep. I'm rocking my baby and babies don't keep. Oh, that's really sweet. I don't know why I'm crying about that. That's so stupid. Because you don't have babies anymore. Because I don't have, but that's, (laughs) I was going to say, that's why we get to be grandmas because we can do it over yeah. Michelle. Yeah. And now we can hold the baby and yeah. we don't have to worry about doing the laundry and vacuuming the floors. Yeah. We can just hold Finny and love her. We now realize that the laundry will still be yes. there. We realize that now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, this has been so good. Thank you so much, Michelle, for being a part of this and sharing all of your experiences. Thanks for the time. But this has been super awesome. I think this is going to help a lot of moms that have had missionaries out and yeah. other moms in general. So thank you so much. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us for another episode. We hope you found inspiration for your own life. And hopefully we're as funny as we think we are. Find us on Instagram at The Motherful Podcast for updates on each episode.